0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about Moses Brown and the Oklahoma City Blue, as well as giving you all a recap of the Thunder-Miami Heat game. Now, if you guys did not listen to yesterday's podcast, I actually split things up a bit because of how weird the schedule was, the OKC Blue and the thunder played back on sunday however the blue they played at 10 in the morning while the thunder game started at 8 p.m or may have been 7 p.m but regardless pretty big time gap you got right there so i ended up doing the blue recap everything you need to know about that one as well as the preview to the heat game uh yesterday today i'm gonna be giving you the recap of the thunder one though also gonna be talking about the blue because there is some pretty big news Moses Brown finally getting the credit he has much deserved the league gives him the player of the week honors now I actually thought that he had a standing chance to win the week one player of the week because he averaged 20.3 points 14 rebounds and three blocks in that time first week was only three games that's when you started out I think it started on like a Thursday or something so that's where you got the little like Weekly benchmark, I guess you could put it. So, Brown, he played pretty solid. However, there was one man who played a little bit better, and that was Delaware Bluecoats forward Paul Reed, 58th pick in the draft. He's looked like a straight up steal, super athletic. He had 24.7 points and 11.1 rebounds in week number one. So, he edged Moses Brown a little bit more scoring attacks. I guess the voters might appreciate that a little bit more. If you guys didn't listen to my George Hill podcast on if he could get traded to the 76ers, highly suggest it because I talked about Paul Reed for about 10 minutes just because I think he's a pretty intriguing guy. Want to listen to more on him? Highly suggest checking that out. But anyways, back to Moses Brown. I mean, he didn't let things slip away. He didn't div it down kind of like Paul Reed did. Paul Reed's doing great, but obviously he's not putting up t- like 25 and 11 right now. Moses Brown, he pretty much stayed at the exact same clip, if not even better, in week number two. First off, he led the squad to a 5-0 record. The only team who went undefeated in week two was the Oklahoma City Blue, and he did it on amazing numbers. 19.8 points, 15 rebounds, 2.3 blocks, and 1.3 steals, so offensively dominant cleaning the glass, dominant, getting blocks, dominant, steals, same thing. For a big man, getting those kinds of numbers are insane, especially when you are looking at the steals here. So they had no other choice but to tip their cap to Moses Brown. You can't find any other person. Sure, someone may have sprinkled in a 35-point performance here and there, but the consistency at which Brown was playing was amazing. I think all five of those games, Came off a of double doubles and he only had one game out of these uh these eight so far where he didn't get a double double and he still had eight rebounds. So he was right there. Just been elite. He has been just crazy on the offensive glass, and I think that's something that this little tweet from the G League, you'll never understand. They just gave you the basic stat line. So someone just looking on is gonna think, oh, He's just getting a lot of free defensive rebounds. Not actually true. He's almost averaging more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds from this past week. 7.2 of those 15 rebounds have been coming off of offense. And that gives you a lot of second chance points right around the basket. Grab it, flip it up. What you're looking at? 19.8 points. And he even out-rebounded an entire team on Sunday, against the Rio Grande Vipers, I think he had 11, and the other team, I think they had five or six, so it was pretty insane, uh, at which he was playing, anyways, I think even, like, hyping him up this much, there's still people who will doubt him, because he's a seven-foot-two center playing in the G League, height means everything in this league, if you're over seven feet tall, you pretty much are going to get, like, eight rebounds, minimum, probably looking at a double double machine just because no one's able to match up with you height wise if you're that tall you're either in a major league in europe or you're playing in some sort of rotation in the nba so there's not a lot of seven footers but the ones that are tend to ball out but none of them have been as great as moses brown and that's that's why i think people shouldn't just be kind of throwing this out of the out of the gutter like oh he's never going to amount to anything you gotta see him. Obviously, he hasn't had a lot of time with the Thunder, and yes, he's a bit on the thin side, but the way he's playing, you could totally see him coming back after the G League bubble and giving some sort of production. His best rebounding performance does back these doubters claims because it was against an extremely tiny center. I think it was O'Shea Bursett. He's only six foot seven inch and Gives you twenty boards. But even when he was tested with a guy who matched up with him height wise, and John Teske, seven foot one, weighed twenty more pounds than Brown, Moses Brown got 10 rebounds. So he got the double double here. But he shot even better than he has against anyone else. He shot eighty six percent, twelve of fourteen, versus a seven foot one player. You can't try to claim that as a fluke that is just straight up playing hardcore basketball he was going right in a teskey. he was working in the post i think this was the lakeland magic game that i'm talking about right here looking for dump offs amazing getting players caught up in screens and that's how you get a lot of easy baskets around the rim and i think one of the reasons and just things that have made the 21 year old so explosive so far is because he's able to change his style play at the snap of a finger, against these smaller, undersized bigs, he's playing straight bully ball, and sure, does that translate over to the NBA 100%, probably not, but you're getting the points here, so you might as well do it, put yourself in a position to win, so he's calling for it, he'll back you down, and he'll get you with a left or right hook, he's good with either hand, and if he can't, if he can go even further in, he's just gonna go up for a close shot layup, Hell, he even goes in for dunks sometimes. He's posterized a lot of people off of just two or three backdowns. Gets them on the other end of the rim, boom, slam it home with two hands. And he does that off of pick and rolls too. He'll set the screen. People will have to overhelp on the point guards, whether it's Jerome, Xavier, Simpson. They'll make a good read. And there you go with Moses Brown just getting a freebie bucket. And against those taller guys, I think it's even more prevalent that he goes to that because... Maybe he's not able to dominate in terms of strength, he still has done it, but it's not to the same degree, so he needs to be a little bit craftier. He's not really a shooter whatsoever, so everything he does is centered around the paint. He needs to be inside to be productive, so that's where he screens constantly, constantly and that's why Xavier Simpson and Ty Jerome have become floater specialists so far in this season because they have so many open looks here, and even other players such as Alexey Pokachevsky have been some of the recipients of these Moses Brown screens, and that leads to open space because Poku, seven feet tall, very, very quick for his size, especially in the G League. This man is way faster than everyone, seven feet tall. So you need help here because Brown way too strong on Poku's man. Poku's going right by him. The center will need to help and here you go again. You got a 6 foot 7 guy on Moses Brown. Easy bucket right there. So that's what I'm talking about with how Moses Brown is able to just play and that's why he's been so so great. I would consider him the best center in the entire G League right now just due to his ability to do that. Even on defense too. I mean, he's able to adapt to others' playstyles. He has a seven foot four inch wingspan to pair with that 7'2'' frame, and he's not that huge. I'd consider him pretty athletic, agile for his frame. So he's able to get out there, get a hand up, go out to the mid range, I'd say, and still end up getting the rebound. Now, a lot of the rebounds he has gotten on defense has just been like jacked up contested threes where nobody is trying to crash the glass. Everyone's running back. He'll just snag it. But even when there's fights down low, he's able to cover ground again and snag over people. So I'm really happy to see that kind of stuff from Moses Brown. I think something that I've loved even more about Moses Brown has been how he has been more productive offensively, even when he doesn't have to necessarily be the one shooting. And because he's such a threat down low and because teams cannot match with the height that he brings to the table he has started to just get double teamed triple teamed as soon as the basketball touches his fingertips everyone is surrounding the man so you know what he's starting to do now he doesn't always look to shoot he looks to kick it out because there are wide open perimeter shooters they are the third best team in the league right now in three point percentage they are shooting 36.9 percent And the number three to number one spots, the percentages between them is like nothing. I don't even think it's 0.5%. So the blue very well could just take the number one spot if they get hot in their ninth game of the season. But I think without Brown's presence, they would not be that high because they have not they would not be able to get as open a shots. That's just as easy as it gets. You put Yurt7 in for Brown, he's 7 feet tall. He can probably get buckets and rebounds for you, but he's not as athletic. He likes to be outside of the perimeter. He actually shoots threes sometimes. Brown never does that. I think when Yurt7 plays, there's a lot more variables. You know what you get in Moses Brown. Defenses know what you get, but they still cannot stop him. That's what makes an MVP, an MVP, knowing exactly what you're stepping into and getting crushed every single time. That's what Moses Brown has been for this OKC blue squad. And I mean, I have to love him for it. He has been so fun to watch as a player. And through these eight games, ranking wise, he's almost in the top 10 in every major category you'd expect a center to be in. Points wise, he is 11th in the league right on the doorstep of cracking the top 10 he is averaging 20.3 points per game he's first in rebounds who would have guessed am i right 14.5 rebounds so far and he's first in offensive rebounds not even close he has about a two rebound advantage here he's putting up 6.6 a game that's crazy and even blocking wise he was for a brief time the number one shop uh, block leader now he's dropped down to four, but don't keep your head down because he's still averaging two and a half a game, and even when it comes to the free throw line, I didn't really highlight this uh, up until now, same with my uh, my blog article, I did this on my, on my blog, kilesingler for mvpcom that's where you can get this news a little bit before the podcast, but anyways, he ends up getting the line a ton because defenses off of offensive rebounds just decide to smack him because they know it's two points. He gets to the line almost four times a game, 3.9 attempts, and when these free throws don't always equate to one point, that's when you start to get out of hand when it comes to him in the scoring column. So he's amazing. He hasn't been the most accurate of free throw shooters so far. He's only making 55% of those free throws, so it is kind of a safe bet for defenses to hack him around but it's nice to see that he's still able to garner the foul calls to potentially get some more points on the board. So he's been doing amazing. Team as a collective has been too. He's going to try to lead them throughout the rest of the season. And with the standings tightening up, the Blue, they currently are tied for first in the entire league right now at 7-1. They have a game tomorrow, going to be a big matchup. If they can take that one away, they may find themselves sitting atop the g-league standing so i'll make sure to keep you updated on that one just know moses brown's a real deal didn't even have to talk about the other guys there are so many other guys behind moses brown that make this team so so special but moving right along to the thunder game on monday they end up playing the miami heat and whenever the heat in the thunder matchup you always have to talk about the ping pong balls you know Thunder can have the Heat's pick, so a loss for Miami would help. Same thing though. Thunder loss would also help. <laughs> I mean, I guess just as much. I don't know how you would want to twist it. Anyways, Thunder they got some more ping pong balls to their name because they lost to the Miami Heat, one oh eight to ninety four. OKC right now they're twelve and nineteen in the standings. Miami they're getting back up now. If there was uh, if the season just ended right now, I guess that's how I should put it, Miami would be in the plan because they're the 10th seed, and I think how it works now, 7 through 10, they're all going to be in a death match, so Heat would find himself here with a 14 and 17 record, and now they're kind of getting the ball rolling, so they may even spiral upwards even more than being down three games below 500. Anyways, Thunder, I mean, they did great to start the game out. It always seems to work out that way. I mean, they made their first five field goals to take a twelve to six run. But Miami, they made up for it for threes, and they didn't shoot amazing, but all the shots that fell for them early came from downtown. The first four of their shots went in from three. Tie it up twelve to twelve, and the Miami Heat continued to just score All over the OKC Thunder. They went on a 15-2 run to help bolster their lead. However, the Thunder, they rallied around SGA. He had 10 points in the first. And that allowed them to only be down two points through one. It was 23 to 21. OKC outshot the Heat 60% to 43% in that first, but they had a lot of turnovers, and that led to a lot of free points. On the other end, and I think ball movement was the Thunder's backbone in the second quarter, because they were just going right in on penetrations. They had a lot of backdoors to go along with it. Also, had a Teo Maladone spin inside to get off a pretty janky-looking runner. It went in though, so it gave them an 11 to 5 run pretty fast, and they still were passing the ball around. I mean, their first seven of 10 shots and up coming assisted and they still got 12 free throws in that quarter alone so everything had to do around the paint they did not want anything to do with the three-point line miami that's exactly what they wanted to do though they were all about isolations and shooting the deep ball so they played a risk here because thunder they found a kind of a sturdy piece in their offense he playing with fire here and uh they ended up being down 54 to 45 by halftime. It's because they were shooting so bad. They shot 35% in the first half and they only shot 29% from this highly coveted three of theirs. OKC did a nice job kind of forcing them out of the paint and surprisingly they were able to out rebound Miami despite not even having Al Horford. They had Isaiah Roby, filling in at the starting five. Through the first half, they had a five-rebound advantage at 23-18, to 18, and SGA on offense was able to do it all. He had 18 points on six of seven shooting in the first half, going five of six from the charity stripe. And in the third quarter, neither side really was able to heat up There were some nice Isaiah Roby threes that went in. I'll talk about him in a second. But he had a couple of nice pairs of threes. And then Miami, they had a lot of pressure put on Bam Adebayo. Because does he need to step up to stop Roby? And if he does, what's going to happen to the lane? You got Diallo and you got SGA who, you know, they get to the line anytime they feel like it. So you can't risk that kind of stuff. Anyways... Adebayo's absence under the rim it only cost him six points in the paint there were still five free throws to go along with it and it was postered by a Lou Dort double clutch layup going inside Miami they waited until like the very end of the third to make their move because the Thunder finally seemed to slow down then Miami went on a 17 to 5 run they had a two point 79 to 77 lead entering the fourth quarter and they still were on fire he added five more points consecutively keep building everything up and then there was a bit of controversy and you know I think challenges are a great way to sway momentum away he they were on that huge run of theirs and then Andre Iguodala you know he's trying to move the basketball from the left side of his body to his right side. So, you know, he needs to do a little bit of a swing move. Clipped Hamanu Diallo in the face. They called a foul on Diallo. Mark Dagnall, he called a timeout. He didn't think it was a foul on Diallo because he just got hit in the face. Now, unbeknownst to him, Diallo actually, like, swiped Iguodala barely first, so they didn't overturn it. But I like Dagnall's usage of that... um, of that challenge, because even though it didn't result in points, if that was overturned, I think this would have been a completely different ball game. Clearly, was not though, so the momentum still stayed in the Heat's hands. They kept making shots, they had 11 more points unanswered, and they had a 17-point lead. Now, OKC, they wiped away their cold spell, but it took them six minutes to make a field goal in the fourth quarter that's crazy and when you're facing a miami heat team who finally gets their act together so many great shooters you're not going to be able to compete and that's why they ultimately ended up losing this game a lot of guard play from the miami heat duncan robinson and kendrick nunn they both finished in the 20 plus club robinson had 22 points while nunn had 20 and bam out of bio He was great too with a 19.13 rebound double-double on Isaiah Roby. And OKC, they still were swinging the ball around despite the loss. They still, still notched their 20 assist mark, only getting 20. So they got it just right where they needed to be. The streak is at 11, but their, their winning streak, yeah, you throw it right out the window SGA looked like a straight up all-star in this game and with all-star voting coming out probably today we will see what his fate ends up being made a pretty good notion to voters though that they probably should have voted for him he had 27 points with two rebounds and five assists and you may look at it like what he didn't have like 30 points five rebounds five assists what do you mean this is one of his great games he was triple teamed almost the entire game. Like, as soon as he crosses the timeline, he's getting trapped. Everyone is blitzing the man. They don't want him doing anything. He was having to weave in between guys, splitting defenders, going in between three different people, I think, to cap off the third quarter or something. Yeah. I mean, he had, like, Max Truss right in front of him. He had to go around him, and then he gets to the second layer of defense literally contorts his body through him he's playing hole in the wall welcome to cartoon network like my goodness gets around both of them and is able to finish it off he's gliding up in the air for that finish take into account that so that's something that you see from a superstar my goodness and being able to be productive whenever you are clearly the only point of offense that the heat are trying to attack says a lot about you That is some star stuff because since no one else wanted to pick up the torch, he took it. He kept running and he gave the Thunder a real shot in this game. He shot 10 of 15 on the game, and that was the best on the entire squad. I think second best was Darius Baisley, but he hardly shot, you know, that amount of times. And even going inside, like when the shot was not there, he forced the refs to make some sort of movement he had six attempts at the stripe so i loved him i mean while what i was saying like being swarmed dude couldn't even get his gatorade filled up without getting you know defended by heat players that's how bad it was for him yet he still made it a positive that's what i love and think you know this was probably his final shot to say he should be an all-star probably the votes are in by now but i don't know i don't know you could snub this guy maybe that's just me Darius Baisley, he was in a straight funk to begin the game. He was two of six in the first three quarters, and he had four turnovers along with that too. So you didn't really expect much in the fourth. He did turn up though, and he was able to shoot a perfect three of three, got eight points in the fourth. So he got his total up to 13 on five of nine shooting. Also had five rebounds. Isaiah Roby, he looked very, very solid. Had 12 points on 4 or 5 shooting versus Adebayo. Still getting 5 boards as well. Roby, he doesn't even look like a center. He really isn't a center, but he can play there in spurts. And the mismatch is just so apparent. I mean, two step-back threes. Those two, that that pair, I guess I referred to earlier. Yeah, both of them were step-back threes. Adebayo did an amazing job closing out on him but he has such a beautiful shot release, such a high arcing shot that you can't really get a block on this man, and I don't know why he doesn't shoot more, I think he definitely needs to do that, because like, you know, if you're able to open this can of worms where he is a sharpshooter at the five, whilst being six foot eight, and a slasher, you got a big guy to mold around, so I'm, I'm really excited with what I saw with him here. He's still an amazing playmaker. Some of the passes that he's made in this past week. Oh my goodness. You could put that on a highlight reel somewhere here. But yeah. I mean I just loved how he was playing. Obviously Autobio probably outplayed him. But the fight that Roby showed. And just some of the ways he was able to remain effective. Despite being up against one of the league's best centers. It was pretty pretty commendable. Lou Dort. Defense was great, Uh, as per usual. Offense, not really. Only had three shots to go in. Took him 15 tries, though, so not efficient whatsoever here. One of eight from downtown, too, so they they got away with leaving him open, and I think that's what helped him a lot because he still played 32 minutes despite not really giving much of an edge offensively. Mike Muscala, I'd say he was alright when it came to offense. I mean, he shot 3 of 7 from downtown, so one of the better perimeter threats. Got him 11 points. Obviously, you get a 2 in there as as well as the 3's, but yeah. I'd say it was good for Muscala as well. Obviously, the Thunder wanted to win this game. They have another chance... On Wednesday, to get a W because they're going to be playing up against another solid team in the San Antonio Spurs. Right now, they are 16 and 11. Need to maybe look at this one a little bit closer, though, because the Spurs have a lot of people on health and safety protocol lists. They have not played in their past three games, they all have been postponed, and there's still a lot of those members who will be on the inactives for Wednesday. If they have one more guy fall on this list, you scrap this game off the books and you look ahead. So maybe there's a postponement. Thunder, they've been playing nonstop right now, so maybe you know it'd be beneficial to them. We'll see what happens there, though. Make sure to keep your eyes peeled for that. One thing you can always look forward to um, are the blue games. I mean, those are not going to get postponed. So, yep. Make sure to look out for those. Also, the all-star races, those results should be coming in sometime this evening, and I will talk about it in tomorrow's episode. So other than that, guys, that is going to wrap things up. I hope you all enjoyed, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.